0: As I've said previously, when we started into Obadiah and when we started into Joel, I really started these series for my own benefit as much as anything because I needed to spend time with the prophets and see what I could take and what I could learn from from them for myself. The advantage of a short prophecy like this one is that we can read it all in one go. So we've had the benefit of seeing Haggai's ministry, or his public ministry, or his recorded public ministry anyway, for us all in in one short session. As I said, to put a text into its context, you have to understand the, the context. And one way to do that is to read the book. I I, I appreciate we're going to skim over some of the the introductory detail today, but as I was preparing um, over the last week or so, I I just thought that some of this sits very nicely as a Bible study rather than a sermon um, message, so God willing sometime between now and the next time I preach in Haggai, we will have a midweek and we will then put this text into its wider context, because there are very clear parallels with other prophets and other writers in the book. So it's good to understand how the prophets and the history fit together. So we will do that, God willing, sometime. But reading through that, as as you have done today, a few things will have stood out to you as you were reading through or as we were reading through. Three things immediately stood out to me, um, starting in this chapter, and this is what we're going to focus on today, were the references to the time. People said, it's not the time. The Lord said, it is the time. That was the first thing that stood out to me. The second thing that stood out as, as I was reading through was, consider your ways. So that is my intention to be... The next time, God willing, that we come into Haggai to consider our ways. So if you think when we've gone through here, we haven't considered our ways, even though we've been told to clearly at least twice, we will do. Um, God willing, um, next time. And the one thing that you will have, unless you weren't reading, you will have noticed is the repetition of this great title, the Lord Of hosts. I like that phrase. It's especially in in Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts. Jehovah of the armies. Is it the armies of this earth? Is it the armies of the angelic host? Is it the armies of the the heavenly host? The sky. The stars. It, it, It is all. It is everything. The Lord of hosts. And immediately... That puts everything into its context. Everything is subject to the Lord of Hosts. Haggai, the nation, the priests, us, we are all subject to the Lord of Hosts. So, what do we know about Haggai? And again, as with a lot of the prophets, we know very little. And immediately I take that as a challenge and as a and a form of encouragement also. What do we know of Haggai? He came, he ministered, he went. What do we know about Haggai's message? Two and a half thousand years later, we're still reading it. The man isn't important. So should it be today. Everything we take from here today, take as thus saith the Lord of Hosts. Unless I'm errant. And in which case, that's down to me. But uh, anything that you take as a blessing is from the Lord of hosts. You will have noticed as well as we read. Thus saith the Lord to Haggai. Okay, then it ends. But every time there's reference to Zerubbabel, we're told he's the son of Shealtiel. And Joshua the son of Josedek. So their family histories were noted and known. They were men of of importance because their family history was recorded. Haggai, we have known nothing. His name possibly means my festival or something related to a feast or a festival, which people suggest was maybe he was born at a feast time or a festival. We don't know. What we do know Is when he ministered, and we know for how long he ministered. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month. So there's our starting point. And the last one we read as we come to it in chapter 2 in the four and twentieth day of the month. Um, which we had before, which was, I think, was it in 10? Yeah, in, in verse 10 of chapter 2 as well. In the four and 20th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. So we know his, his ministry, his recorded public ministry lasted about four months. We also know, according to the experts, that this time frame was about 520 BC. And you can even find people who will tell you that 29th of August was the first date whether that's right or not we don't know but we have that as a, as a time frame so 520 years BC before Christ 520 years so that puts us two and a half thousand years from now and a little bit more just going to share before we move into it a little bit of a, a quote from a, a gentleman called Michael Bentley And he says this, the prophecy of Haggai is part of God's word. It has a vital bearing on our Christian life today, and it repays careful and prayerful study. Do not just dip into it to meditate on a few favourite verses, but spend a little time examining what God is saying to you and God's people through this small but challenging prophecy. I like the phrase, it repays careful and prayerful study. So that just emphasises that we go beyond reading into careful and prayerful study. So my thoughts as I started looking at this, were initially were around the, the, the contrast. I find contrasts are very helpful. Verse two Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come. And then they're rebuked a bit later on. But my thoughts were around the people's time. And then we see really God's time. And then engineering the point slightly to to make it sort of fit into a pattern. Temple time. So think of it in those three points. The people's time, God's time, and the temple time. Verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, the time is not come, the time to... The time that the Lord's house should be built. Can you imagine receiving that message? Think about how that opened up. This people. Whose people are they? They're the Lord's people. They're His people. Did He say, My people? My people say, No. This people. Can you imagine how angry he must be with these people? He's not even referring to them as my people. Would that not challenge you from the very outset that your heavenly father doesn't refer to you as my people? This people. They say the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. So what time then is the people's time? It's not now. It's not now. It's not now is not the time to build the Lord's house. Now isn't the time. Do you ever think this was written Two and a half thousand years ago. And could there be a truer word spoken today? This people say it's not time. It's not time to work for the Lord. It's not time to do this. It's not time to do that. Then we have to sort of, as we do always, turn it away from this people, this collective, not even turn it to Us people, we must turn it to ourselves. How often do I say, it is not time to do that? How often do I say, it's not time for me to prepare? It is not time for me to study. It is not time for me to do that simple task. How often do we delay? How often do we put forward other reasons? And this is what we will come to more detailed in a more detailed fashion when we consider our ways. But there were suggested and there probably were a lot of legitimate reasons. But there were also a lot of excuses. And a lot of the legitimate reasons will have had good intentions but been badly sort of executed therefore a lot of them would have been um, excuses it was not time it is not time to do the Lord's work it is not time to build the Lord's house the immediate thought then is what is it time for what is it time to do if it's not time to build the Lord's house, what is it time to do? <coughs> is it time to build your own houses? Is it time to build your own comfortable houses? Is it time to go into business? Is it time to, to, to improve your standing, to improve your clothing, to improve your earnings? Is it time for these things? If it's time for these things, why is it not time to do the Lord's work? Consider your ways. Consider our ways. That was the first thing that struck me. The people, this people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Again, time frame, we don't know exactly, but it's estimated that they had left Babylon about 15 years before. They'd been back home for 15 years. They'd made a start, if you read uh, Ezra, they'd made a start (coughs) on the foundations. Discouragements come along, opposition comes along, and it's stopped, and it never started. It's not time. It's not time. Do trials ever stop? Do persecutions ever stop? Do difficulties ever stop? If you were to sit down here, if we collectively came in one day and said, look, let's just look back over the last two or three years. Let's jot down all of the trials, all of the difficulties All of the problems that we've faced. We'd have a massive list, wouldn't we? We've got ill health. We've got laws that that are abhorrent being introduced. And you could go on and on and on. Do we stop? Sadly, sometimes yes. Do we slow down? Again, sadly, sometimes yes. Encouragements will come when we are faithful. And we saw some of those encouragements, didn't we? Verse 13, then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? I am with you. In that instance, it was the Lord. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. So you build the house and it will be greater than the first time it was there. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Don't listen to opposition. Let's not be put off. Let's not be cowered by opposition. The people's time, sadly, too often, it is not now. Then we carry on and we look at the challenge in verse 4. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? The contrast between their lovely, comfortable Luxurious in some cases houses and the ruins of the temple. Consider. (coughs) Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then in verse 8, go to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. So that reminds us then, sort of, or or tells us indirectly, that he would be pleased and glorified if they built the house. Which would suggest he's neither pleased nor glorified in their current actions. So the Lord's time, go and build a house. People's time, often, not now. God's time, mostly, now. Now is God's time. We're we're working again, aren't we, in in our sort of earthly linear understanding of time. God is outside of time. God is eternal. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And we accept, as we read in Ecclesiastes at the start, there is a time and a season for everything. There was a time and there was a season for the harvest. But the crops didn't grow. The people didn't prosper. There's some very uh, interesting, helpful descriptions. You sow much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink and you're not filled. You're clothed, but you're not warm. And he that earns wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. Wasted. It's gone. Consider your ways. Verse 9. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because my house, that is waste. And ye run every man into his own house. You've looked after yourselves. You haven't looked after the Lord's work. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn. And so it goes on. You've neglected. My work. And you expect to be blessed. Blessed. You've gone off running around earning money, farming and cultivating and doing all good things, but with the wrong priority. And you expect to be blessed. How often are we like that? Running around doing things, good things, but for our own benefit. And then we expect to be blessed. When I get more money, when I get so much money, I'll do this, this and this. No. Now. You have been blessed. We have been blessed. Now I must contribute. Now I must do. That which is required of me. Seek ye first. The kingdom of heaven. And all other things. Shall be added unto you. So if we get our priorities right. If we seek the Lord now. Now. Then we will be blessed. And those blessings may be earthly. They definitely will be spiritual. We will have peace with God. We will feel his grace and his mercy upon us. We will feel his presence with us. I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. I will give you peace, peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians. We read this. We then. uh, As workers together with him. Beseech you. That you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith. I have heard thee. In a time accepted. And in a day. In the day of salvation. Have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What is that telling us? Now is the day of salvation. Now. Don't procrastinate. Don't work to your time. Don't work to this people's time. I've got plenty of time. I'm young. I've got years ahead of me. Have we? We don't know. Now is the appointed time. Now, now is the day of salvation. It's not even the day of salvation, is it? Now. Do not wait another minute. God's time is now. And then we see also the temple and the temple Time, as I've called it. I mentioned earlier on that the people had left their Babylonian captivity. And if you read through the history books in the Bible, you will see that they were encouraged to leave and to go home and build the temple. The, the command was even given, go and build the temple. And they left And they started to build the temple. Why did they stop? They faced persecution. They faced difficulties. They faced people deliberately getting in their way. Then lethargy will have set in. Comforts that needed to be sorted at home. This needed to be done. That needed to be done. You can read these things in Ezra and Nehemiah. To, to help um, expand your knowledge so they came and they eventually rebuilt the temple eventually but it wasn't eventually you can't build these things quickly we know that you can't you can't just put a temple together when you probably can nowadays from from, from packs uh, and such like. But they couldn't just build the temple. The problem was they weren't even trying to build the temple. They weren't even planning to build the temple. They weren't making any provisions to build the temple. David's great passion was to build the temple for the Lord. And the Lord said to him, no, you're a man of war, a man of peace will build the temple. So Solomon had the responsibility of building the temple. Did David sit idly by and wait? He got the provisions. He ordered everything. He had it as far on as he could go without actually building the temple. So you can see the difference in attitude. I can't build the temple, but I'll do what I can. These people here, we can't build the temple. Let's leave it. Let's not do what the Lord Has asked us to do. So they built the temple. And it lasted. From about this period. Of about 500 BC. uh, To two notable. um, Points really. When the veil of the temple. Was rent in two. As Christ was crucified. Marking in a sense. The beginning of the end as it were the separation of the holy of holies from the rest of the temple and then its utter destruction in AD 70 at the hands of the romans so the temple time was there it was there for about 5 or 600 years which is a long time but it is not eternal so why then did they not rebuild There's a political answer to that and then there's the spiritual answer. The political answer is because there's a whopping great big mosque on the site now um, which which, um, annoys uh, the Jews no end. However, the really important point is we don't need a temple. The temple is finished. We don't go and offer sacrifices at the temple we don't need to gather at the temple to, as our focal point. It was never rebuilt because it is no longer needed. And that is a great encouragement to us. There's no need for us to go and offer sacrifice. Why? Because the sacrifice has already been offered. It is finished. Three words. Or in the, in the original, one. Finished. No more. We're told as well in scriptures, aren't we, that we are... Our bodies are not our own. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Which ye have of God. And ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a great blessing and it is a gift of God and it is a sign of our salvation. They left Babylon to build the temple, they didn't build the temple. The Lord rebuked them through Haggai. And you see what happens when a man of God and the priest and uh, the the, the ruler got together. The three of them together changed the outlook of the people. They spoke with one accord and they spoke God's word. And somebody, as I was reading, even drew a parallel between these three men as prophet prophets. Priest and king. Pointing to the one who is all three. The Lord Jesus Christ. Prophet, priest and king. So the temple was eventually built but then also destroyed. The temple has had its time. The temple has gone. We, our bodies, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we do not offer sacrifice. The sacrifice is finished. So what important lessons can we learn then as we think about these things and the more I've I've read through this book over the last week or so, the more I've been convinced that it is written for today It was written for 2,500 years ago and those people at that time it was written for those people who had come through the centuries thereafter, and it is very much written for this people. It's no different today. And whenever we look at these people, this people, and their lethargy and their excuses and their lack of action and their self-interest, we must always look at ourselves. Am I any better? Am I any different? Do we put off that which is important? Do we put off the cultivating of our spiritual lives? Do we put off the cultivating, the growing of our souls? Do we put off encouraging one another? And we will say, Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is cold and faint Yet I love thee and for grace to love thee more. Do we put off the important? And we must look at ourselves. Do we put off the essential? And by that, I mean our salvation. I'll read again to you those verses in 2 Corinthians. Behold, Now is the accepted time. And again, when you hear and you see behold, you must pay particular attention. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, there it is again. Now is the day of salvation. Do not procrastinate. Do not put off. Do not miss this opportunity to confess your sins before a righteous and a holy God. To ask forgiveness For your sins. And to ask that he will save you. The simple prayer. That was uttered. God be merciful to me. A sinner. What more is needed. Confession. And repentance. And accepting of Jesus Christ. Alone. As our saviour. Do not procrastinate. Do not work to. People's time. Work to the time that the Lord has for us. Now is the appointed time. Confess your sins. And ask forgiveness. And look out for the Lord. And seek him with all your heart. In all your actions. Amen.